CD6. It's no got feathers, he complained. Look, we dinner had time to argue, said Daft Woolly. We're in a hurry, you ken, and you're the only one who knows how to fly. A broomstick is not flying, said Hamish. It's magic. It hasn't any wings. I dinna ken that stuff. But Big Yan had already thrown a piece of string over the bristle end of the stick and was climbing up. Other feagles followed. Besides, how do they steal these things? Hamish went on. Well, how do you do it with the birdies? Daft Woolly demanded. Oh, that's easy. You just shift your weight, but... Ach, you'll learn as we go, said Willie. Flying canna be that difficult. Even ducks can do it, and they have nae brains at all. There was really no point in arguing, which is why, a few minutes later, Hamish inched his way along the stick's handle. The rest of the feagles clung to the bristles at the other end, chattering. Firmly tied to the bristles was a bundle of what looked like sticks and rags with a battered hat and the stolen beard on top of it. At least this extra weight meant that the stick end was pointing up, toward a gap in the fruit trees. Hamish sighed, took a deep breath, pulled his goggles over his eyes, and put a hand on a shiny area of stick just in front of him. Gently, the stick began to move through the air. There was a cheer from the feagles. "'See, dolgers would be okay,' Daft Woolly called out. "'But can you no make it go a wee bit faster?' Carefully, Hamish touched the shiny area again. The stick shuddered, hung motionless for a moment, and then shot upward, trailing a noise very like, Gah! In the silent world of Tiffany's head, Rob Anybody picked up his sword again and crept across the darkening turf. There was something there, small but moving. It was a tiny thorn bush, growing so fast that its twigs visibly moved. Its shadow danced on the grass. Rob Anybody stared at it. It had to mean something. He watched it carefully. Little bush growing. Then he remembered what the old Kelder had told them when he'd been a wee boy. Once the land had been all forest, heavy and dark. Then men came and cut down trees. They let the sun in. The grass grew up in the clearings. The big jobs brought in sheep, which ate the grass, and also what grew in the grass. Tree seedlings. And so... The dark forests died. There hadn't been much life in them, not once the tree trunks closed in behind you. It had been dark as the bottom of the sea in there, the leaves far above keeping out the light. Sometimes there was the crash of a branch, or the rattle and patter as acorns the squirrels had missed bounced down from branch to branch into the gloom. Mostly it was just hot and silent. Around the edges of the forest were the homes of many creatures. Deep inside the forest, the everlasting forest, was the home of wood. But the turf lived in the sun, with its hundreds of grasses and flowers and birds and insects. The Nakmak Fiegel knew that better than most, being so much closer to it. What looked like a green desert at a distance was a tiny, thriving, roaring jungle. Ach, said Rob anybody, so that's your game, is it? "'Weel, you're no tuckin' over in here, too!' He chopped at the spindly thing with his sword and stood back. The rustling of leaves behind him made him turn. There were two more saplings unfolding, and a third. He looked across the grass and saw a dozen, a hundred tiny trees beginning their race for the sky. Worried though he was, 
and he was worried to his boots. Rob anybody grinned. If there's one thing a feagle likes, it's knowing that wherever you strike you're going to hit an enemy. The sun was going down, and the shadows were moving, and the turf was dying. Rob charged. What happened during the Knack Fiegel's search for the right smell was remembered by several witnesses, quite apart from all the owls and bats who were left spinning in the air by a broomstick being navigated by a bunch of screaming little blue men. One of them was number 95, a ram owned by a not very imaginative farmer. But all he remembered was a sudden noise in the night and a draughty feeling on his back. That was about as exciting as it got for number 95, so he went back to thinking about grass. Ah! Then there was Mildred Pusher, aged seven, who was the daughter of the farmer who owned number 95. One day, when she'd grown up and become a grandmother, she told her grandchildren about the night she came downstairs by candlelight for a drink of water and heard the noises under the sink. "'And there were these little voices, you see, and, and one said, "'Ach, Willie, you cannot drink that. Look, it says poison on the bottle.' "'And another voice said, "'And I, Gonagall, they put that on to frighten a man from having a wee drink.' "'And the first voice said, "'Willie, it's rat poison.' "'And the second voice said, "'That's fine, then, cos I'm no a rat.' "'And then I opened the cupboard under the sink, and what do you think?' It was full of fairies, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, and one of them said, Hey, this is a dream you're having, a big wee girl. And immediately they all agreed, and the first one said, So, in this dream you're having, big wee girl, you wouldn't mind telling us where the turpentine is, would ya? And so I told him it was outside in the barn, and he said, I, then we're offski. But here's a wee gift for the fairies, for a big wee girl who's going to go right back to sleep. And then they were gone. One of her grandchildren, who'd been listening with his mouth open, said, What did they give you, Grandma? This. Mildred held up a silver spoon. And the strange thing is, it's just like the ones my mother had, which vanished mysteriously from the drawer the very same night. I've kept it safe ever since. This was admired by all. Then one of the grandchildren asked, What were the fairies like, Grandma? Grandma Mildred thought about this. Not as pretty as you might expect, she said at last, but definitely more smelly. And just after they'd gone, there was a sound like, Ah! People in the King's Legs. The owner had noticed that there were lots of inns and pubs called the King's Head, or the King's Arms, and spotted a gap in the market, looked up when they heard the noise outside. After a minute or two, the door burst open. "'Good night to you, fellow big jobs!' roared a figure in the doorway. The room fell horribly silent. Awkwardly, legs going in every direction, the scarecrow figure wove unsteadily towards the bar and grabbed it thankfully. "'hanging on as it sagged to its knees. "'A big, huge wee drop of your finest whisky, "'my fine fellow barman fellow,' it said from somewhere under the hat. 
Uh, it seems to me that you've already had enough to drink, friend, said the barman, whose hand had crept to the cudgel he kept under the bar for special customers. Who are you calling friend, pal? roared the figure, trying to pull itself up. That's fighting talk, that is. I haven't had enough to drink, pal, because if I have, why have I still got all this money? Answer me that. A hand sagged into a coat's pocket, came out jerkily and slammed down onto the top of the bar. Ancient gold coins rolled in every direction, and a couple of silver spoons dropped out of the sleeve. The silence of the bar became a lot deeper. Dozens of eyes watched the shiny discs as they spun off the bar and rolled across the floor. "'And I want an ounce of jolly sealer said the figure. "'Why, certainly, sir,' said the barman, who had been brought up to be respectful to gold coins. He felt under the bar, and his expression changed. "'Oh, I'm sorry, sir, we've sold out. Very popular, jolly sailor, but we've got plenty of them.' The figure had already turned around to face the rest of the room. "'Okay, I'll gee a handful of gold to the first gunner who gives me a pipe full of jolly sailor,' it yelled. The room erupted. Tables scraped, chairs overturned. The scarecrow man grabbed the first pipe and threw the coins into the air. As fights immediately broke out, he turned back to the bar and said— "'And I'll have that wee drop o' whisky before I go, barman.' "'Ach, no, you will na, big Jan. Shame on you.' "'Hey, yours legs can shut up right noo. "'A wee pint o' whisky'll do us no harm.' "'Oh, aye. Who died and made ye big man, then?' "'Listen, ye scanner, who Rob is in there?' "'Aye, and he'd have a wee drink, too.' The customers stopped pushing one another out of the way to get at the coins and got up to face her whole body arguing with itself. "'Anywhere I'm in the heed, right? The heed's in charge.' I dinna had to listen to a bunch of knees. I said this was a bad idea, Wooly. Ye ken we had trouble getting out to pubs. Well, speaking on behalf of the legs, we're not going to stand by and watch the heed get pished. Thank you so very much. To the horror of the customers, the entire bottom half of the figure turned around and started to walk towards the door, causing the top half to fall forwards. It gripped the edge of the bar desperately, managed to say... "'Okay, is a deep-fried pickled egg totally out of the question?' And then the figure tore itself in half. The legs staggered a few steps towards the door and fell over. In the shocked silence, a voice from somewhere in the trousers said, "'Grivens, time for Ofsky!' The air blurred for a moment and the door slammed. After a while, one of the customers stepped forward cautiously and prodded the heap of old clothes and sticks that was all that remained of the visitor. The hat rolled off and he jumped back. A glove that was still hanging onto the bar fell to the floor with a thwop that sounded very loud. "'Well, look at it this way,' said the barman. "'Whatever it was, at least it's left its pockets.' From outside came the sound of, "'Ah!' The broomstick hit the thatched roof of Miss Level's cottage hard and stuck in it. Feagles fell off, still fighting." In a struggling, punching mass, they rolled into the cottage, conducted guerrilla warfare all the way upstairs, and ended up in a head-butting, kicking heap in Tiffany's bedroom, where those who'd been left behind to guard the sleeping girl and Miss Level joined in out of interest. Gradually the fighters became aware of a sound. It was the skirl of the mousepipes, cutting through the battle like a sword. Hands stopped gripping throats, fists stopped in mid-punch, kicks hovered in mid-air. Tears ran down awfully wee Billy's face as he played The Bonnie Flowers, the saddest song in the world. It was about home and mothers and good times gone past and faces no longer there.
The feagles let go of one another and stared down at their feet as the forlorn notes wound about them, speaking of betrayal and treachery and the breaking of promises. "'Shame on you!' screamed Awfully Wee Billy, letting the pipe drop out of his mouth. "'Shame on you, traitors, betrayers! Your shame hath and him! Your hag is fighting for a very soul! Have you no honour? He flung down the mouse-pipes, which wailed into silence. "'I curse my feats that let me stand here in front of you! You shame the vera sun shining on you! The shame the kelder that birthed you! Traitors! Scoggins! What hae I done to be among this parcel of rogues? Any man here want to fight? Then fight me! Ay, fight me! And I swear by the harp of bones I'll take him to the deeps of the sea and then kick him to the craters of the moon and see him ride to the pitter hill itself on a saddle made of hedgehogs! I tell you my rage is the strength of the storm that tears mountains into sand. Who among you will stand again me? Big Yan, who was almost three times the size of Awfully Wee Billy, cowered back as the little gonagal stood in front of him. Not a feagle would have raised a hand at that moment for fear of his life. The rage of a gonagal was a dreadful thing to see. A gonagal could use words like swords. Duftwoolly shuffled forward. I can see you're upset, gonagal, he mumbled. "'Tis me that's at fault on account of being daft. "'I should have remembered about us and pubs.' "'He looked so dejected that Awfully Wee Billy calmed down a little. Uh, "'Very well, then,' he said, "'but rather coldly, because you can't lose that much anger all at once. "'We'll not talk about this again, but we will remember it, right?' "'He pointed to the sleeping shape of Tiffany. "'Now pick up that wool and the tobacco and the turpentine, understand?' "'Someone tack the top of the turpentine bottle "'and pour a wee drop onto the bitter cloth. "'And no one, let me make myself clear, "'is to drink any of it.' "'The feagles fell over themselves to obey. "'There was a ripping noise "'as the bitter cloth was obtained "'from the bottom of Miss Level's dress. "'Right,' said Awfully Weebly. "'Daft Woolly, you tack all the three things "'and put them on the big wee hag's chest, "'where she can smell them.' "'How can she smell them when she's out cold like that?' "'asked Woolly. "'The nose disna sleep,' said the Gonegal flatly. "'The three smells of the shepherding hut "'were laid reverentially just below Tiffany's chin. "'No, we wait,' said Awfully Wee Billy. "'We wait and hope.' "'It was hot in the little bedroom "'with the sleeping witches and the crowd of feagles. "'It wasn't long before the smells of sheep's wool, "'turpentine and tobacco rose and twined and filled the air.' Tiffany's nose twitched. The nose is a big thinker. It's good at memory, very good. So good that a smell can take you back in memory so hard that it hurts. The brain can't stop it. The brain has nothing to do with it. The hiver could control brains, but it couldn't control a stomach that threw up when it was flown on a broomstick. And it was useless at noses. The smell of sheep's wool, turpentine and jolly sailor tobacco could carry a mind away all the way to a silent place that was warm and safe and free from harm. The hiver opened its eyes and looked around. The shepherding hut, it said. It sat up. Red light shone in through the open door and through the trunks of the saplings growing everywhere. Many of them were quite big now and cast long shadows, putting the setting sun behind bars. Around the shepherding hut, though, they had been cut down. "'This is a trick,' it said. "'It won't work. We are you. We think like you. We're better at thinking like you than you are.' Nothing happened. The hiver 
looked like Tiffany, although here it was slightly taller because Tiffany thought she was slightly taller than she really was. It stepped out of the hut and onto the turf. "'It's getting late,' it said to the silence. "'Look at the trees. This place is dying. We don't have to escape. Soon all of this will be part of us. Everything that you really could be. You're proud of your little piece of ground. We can remember when there were no worlds. We, you could change things with a wave of your hand. You could make things right or make things wrong, and you could decide which is which. You will never die.' "'Then why are you sweating, you big heap of jobbies?' "'Ah, what a scunner!' said a voice behind it. For a moment the hiver wavered. Its shape changed many times in the fractions of a second. There were bits of scales, fins, teeth, a pointy hat, claws. And then it was Tiffany again, smiling. "'Oh, Rob, anybody, we are glad to see you,' it said. "'Can you help us?' "'Dinner, gee me all that swiddle!' shouted Rob, bouncing up and down in rage. "'I know a hiver when I sees one. Grivens, but you're do a kicking!' The hiver changed again, became a lion with teeth the size of swords, and roared at him. "'Ach, it's like that, is it?' said Rob anybody. "'Dinner go away!' He ran a few steps and vanished. The hiver changed back to its Tiffany shape again. "'Your little friend has gone,' it said. "'Come out now.' "'Come out now. Why fear us? We are you. You won't be like the rest. The dumb animals, the stupid kings, the greedy wizards. Together—' Rob anybody returned, followed by, well, everyone. "'You canna die!' he yelled. "'But we'll make you wish you could!' they charged. The Feagles had the advantage in most fights because they were small and fought big enemies. If you're small and fast, you're hard to hit. The Hiver fought back by changing shape all the time. Swords clanged on scales, heads butted fangs, it whirled across the turf, growling and screaming, calling up past shapes to counter every attack. But feagles were hard to kill. They bounced when thrown, sprang back when trodden on, and easily dodged teeth and claws. They fought, and the ground shook so suddenly that even the hiver lost its footing. The shepherding hut creaked and began to settle into the turf, which opened up around it as easily as butter. The saplings trembled, and began to fall over one after the other as if their roots were being cut under the grass. The land rose. Rolling down the shifting slope, the Feagles saw the hills climbing towards the sky. What was there, what had always been there, become more plain. Rising into the dark sky was a head, shoulders, a chest. Someone who had been lying down, growing turf, their arms and legs, the hills and valleys of the downland, was sitting up. They moved with great stony slowness, millions of tons of hill shifting and creaking around them. What had looked like two long mounds in the shape of a cross became giant green arms unfolding. A hand with fingers longer than houses reached down, picked up the hiver and lifted it up into the air. Far off, something thumped three times. The sound seemed to be coming from outside the world. The Feagles, turning and watching from the small hill that was one of the knees of the giant girl, ignored them. "'She tells the land what it is, and it tells her who she is,' said Awfully Wee Billy, tears running down his face. "'I canna write a song about this. I'm nae good enough.' "'Is that the big wee hag dreaming she's the hills, or the hills dreaming they're the big wee hag?' said Daft Woolly. "'Both, maybe,' said Rob Anybody.' 
They watched the huge hand close and winced. "'But ye canna kill a hiver,' said Daft Willie. "'Aye, but ye can frit it awa,' said Rob Anybody. "'It's a big wee universe out there. "'If I was it, I'd no think of trying her again.' There were three more booms in the distance, louder this time. "'I think,' he went on, "'that it's time we were off-ski.' In Miss Level's cottage, someone was knocking heavily on the front door. Thump. 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 Chapter 9. Soul and Centre Tiffany opened her eyes, remembered, and thought, Was that a dream, or was it real? And the next thought was, How do I know I'm me? Suppose I'm not me, but just think I'm me. How can I tell if I'm me or not? Who's the me that's asking the question? Am I thinking these thoughts? How would I know if I wasn't? Dinner, ask me, said a voice by her head. Is this one of them tricksy ones? It was Daft Woolly. He was sitting on her pillow. Tiffany squinted down. She was in bed in Miss Level's cottage. A green quilt stretched out in front of her. A quilt. Green. Not turf. Not hills but it looked like the downland from here. "'Did I say all that aloud?' she asked. "'Ooh, aye.' "'Er, uh, it did all happen, didn't it?' said Tiffany. "'Ooh, aye,' said Daft Woolly cheerfully. "'The big hag was up here till just noo, but she said you probably wasna going to wake up a monster.' More bits of memory landed in Tiffany's head like red-hot rocks landing on a peaceful planet. "'Are you all right?' "'Ooh, aye,' said Daft Woolly. "'And... Miss Level? And this rock of memory was huge, a flaming mountain that'd make a million dinosaurs flee for their lives. Tiffany's hands flew to her mouth. I killed her, she said. No, then you didn't. I did. I felt my mind thinking it. She made me angry. I just waved my hand like this. A dozen Nakmak Fiegel died for cover. And she just exploded into nothing. It was me. I remember. "'Aye, but the hag-a-hags said it was just using your mind to think with,' Daft Woolly began. "'I've got the memories. It was me, with this hand.' The feagles who had raised their heads ducked back down again. "'And the memories I've got. I remember dust turning into stars, things, the heat, blood, the taste of blood. I remember, I remember the see-me trick. Oh, no, I practically invited it in. I killed Miss Level.' Shadows were closing in around her vision, and there was a ringing in her ears. Tiffany heard the door swing open, and hands picked her up as though she was as light as a bubble. She was slung over a shoulder and carried swiftly down the stairs and out into the bright morning, where she was swung down onto the ground. "'And all of us. We killed her. Take one crucible of silver,' she mumbled. A hand slapped her sharply across the face. She stared through inner mists at the tall, dark figure in front of her. A bucket handle was pressed firmly into her hand. "'Milk the goats now, Tiffany. Now, Tiffany, do you hear? The trusting creatures look to you. They wait for you. Tiffany milks the goats. Do it, Tiffany. The hands know how. The mind will remember and grow stronger, Tiffany.' She was thrust down onto the milking stool and, through the mist in her head, made out the cowering shape of... of... Black Meg. The hands remembered. They placed the pail, grasped a teat, and then, as Meg raised a leg to play the foot-in-the-bucket game, grabbed it and forced it safely back down onto the milking platform. She worked slowly, her head full of hot fog, 
letting her hands have their way. Buckets were filled and emptied, milked goats got a bucket of feed from the bin. Sensibility Bustle was rather puzzled that his hands were milking a goat. He stopped. "'What is your name?' said a voice behind him. Uh, "'Bustle, Sensibility. "'No, that was the wizard, Tiffany. "'He was the strongest echo, but you're not him. "'Get into the dairy, Tiffany.' She stumbled into the cool room under the command of that voice, and the world focused. There was a foul cheese on the slab, sweating and stinking. "'Who put this here?' she asked. "'The hiver did, Tiffany. "'Tried to make a cheese by magic, Tiffany. "'Ha! "'And you are not it, Tiffany. "'You know how to make cheese the right way, don't you, Tiffany? "'Indeed you do. "'What is your name?' "'Always confusion and strange smells. "'In panic she roared, her face was slapped again. "'No!' That was the saber-toothed tiger, Tiffany. They're all just old memories the hiver left behind, Tiffany. It's worn a lot of creatures, but they are not you. Come forward, Tiffany. She heard the words without really understanding them. They were just out there somewhere, between people who were just shadows, but it was unthinkable to disobey them. Drat, said the hazy, tall figure. Where's that little blue fella? Mister anyone? Here, mistress, and it's rob anybody, mistress. "'I beg you not to turn me into something unnatural, mistress.' "'You said she had a box of keepsakes. "'Fetch it down here this minute. "'I feared this might happen. "'I hate doing it this way.' "'Tiffany was turned around and once again looked into the blurry face "'while strong hands gripped her arms. Two blue eyes stared into hers. "'They shone in the mist like sapphires. "'What's your name, Tiffany?' said the voice. "'Tiffany?' "'The eyes bored into her. "'Is it?' Really? Sing me the first song you ever learned, Tiffany, now. Zan, Zana, Mataza. Stop! That was never learned on a chalk hill. You ain't Tiffany. I reckon you're that desert queen who killed twelve of her husbands with scorpion sandwiches. Tiffany is the one I'm after. Back into the dark with you. Things went blurry again. She could hear whispered discussions through the fog, and the voice said, Well, that might work. What's your name, Pixie? "'Awfully wee Billy Big Chin McFeagle, mistress. "'You're very small, aren't you? "'Only for my height, mistress.' "'The grip tightened on Tiffany's arms again. "'The blue eyes glinted. "'What does your name mean in the old speech of the Knack McFeagle, Tiffany? "'Think.' "'It rose from the depths of her mind, trailing the fog behind it. "'It came up through the clamouring voices "'and lifted her beyond the reach of ghostly hands. "'Ahead, the clouds parted.' "'My name is Land Under Wave,' said Tiffany, and slumped forward. "'No, no, no, none of that. We can't have that,' said the figure, holding her. "'You've slept enough. Good. You know who you are. "'Now you must be up and doing. You must be, Tiffany, as hard as you may, "'and the other voices will leave you alone, depend on it. "'Although it might be a good idea if you didn't make sandwiches for a while.' "'She did feel better. She'd said her name. "'The clamouring in her head had calmed down.' although it was still a chatter that made it hard to think straight. But now at least she could see clearly. The black-dressed figure holding her wasn't tall, but she was so good at acting as if she was that it tended to fool most people. "'Oh, you're Mistress Weatherwax!' Mistress Weatherwax pushed her down gently into a chair. From every flat surface in the kitchen, Nack MacFeagles watched Tiffany. "'I am, and a fine mess we have here. Rest for a moment, then we must be up and doing.' "'Good morning, ladies. Er, uh, how is she?' Tiffany turned her head. Miss Level stood in the door. She looked pale, and she was walking with a stick. 
I was lying in bed and I thought, well, there's no reason to stay up here feeling sorry for myself, she said. Tiffany stood up. I'm so sorry, she began, but Miss Level waved a hand vaguely. Not your fault, she said, sitting down heavily at the table. How are you, and for that matter, who are you? Tiffany blushed. Still me, I think, she mumbled. I got here last night and saw to Miss Level, said Mistress Weatherwax. Watched over you too, girl. You talked in your sleep, or rather sensibility bustle did what's left of him. That old wizard was quite helpful, for something that's not much more than a bunch of memories and habits. I don't understand about the wizard, said Tiffany, or the Desert Queen. Don't you? said the witch. Well, a hiver collects people. Tries to add them to itself, you might say. Use them to think with. Dr. Brussel was studying them hundreds of years ago, and set a trap to catch one. It got him instead, silly fool. It killed him in the end. It gets them all killed in the end. They go mad one way or the other. They stop remembering what they shouldn't do. But it keeps a sort of pale copy of them, a sort of living memory. She looked at Tiffany's puzzled expression and shrugged. Something like a ghost, she said. And it's left ghosts in my head. More like ghosts of ghosts, really, said Mistress Weatherwax. Something we don't have a word for, maybe. Miss Level shuddered. Well, thank goodness you got rid of the thing at least, she quavered. Would anyone like a nice cup of tea? Ach, leave that tea, us, shouted Rob anybody, leaping up. Daft Woolly, you and the boys make some tea for the ladies. Thank you, said Miss Level weakly, as a clattering began behind her. I feel so clump. What? I thought you broke all the teacups when you did the dishes. Oh, aye, said Rob cheerfully. But Woolly found a load of old ones, shut a wire in the cupboard. That very valuable bone china was left to me by a very dear friend, shouted Miss Level. She sprang to her feet and turned towards the sink. With amazing speed for someone who was partly dead, she snatched teapot, cup, and saucer from the surprised Pixies and held them up as high as she could. "'Crivens!' said Rob anybody, staring at the crockery. "'Now that's what I call haggling. "'I'm sorry to be rude, but they're of great sentimental value,' said Miss Level. "'Mr. Anybody, you and your men will kindly get away from Miss Level and shut up,' said Mistress Weatherwax quickly. "'Pray do not disturb Miss Level while she's making tea.' "'But she's holding,' Tiffany began in amazement. "'And let her get on with it without your chatter either, girl,' the witch snapped. "'Aye, but she picked up yon teapot, weut,' a voice began. The old witch's head spun around. Feagles backed away like trees bending to a gale. "'Daft William,' she said coldly, "'there's room in my well for one more frog, except you don't have the brains of one.' "'Ah, ha, 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 that's wholly correct, mistress,' said Daft Woolly, sticking out his chin with pride. "'A fool you there. I have the brains of a beetle.' Mistress Weatherwax glared at him, then turned back to Tiffany. "'I turned someone into a frog,' Tiffany said. "'It was dreadful. He didn't all fit in, so there was this sort of huge pink—' "'Never mind that right now,' said Mistress Weatherwax, in a voice that was suddenly so nice and ordinary that it tinkled like a bell. "'I expect you find things a bit different here than they were at home, eh?' "'What? Well, yes, at, at home I never turned—' Tiffany began in surprise— then saw that just above her lap the old woman was making frantic circular hand motions that somehow meant keep going as if nothing has happened. So they chatted madly about sheep, and Mistress Weatherwax said they were very woolly, weren't they? And Tiffany said that they were, extremely so, and Mistress Weatherwax said extremely woolly was what she'd heard, while every eye in the room watched Miss Level making tea 
using four arms, two of which did not exist, and not realising it. The black kettle sailed across the room and apparently tipped itself into the pot. Cups and saucers and spoons and the sugar bowl floated with a purpose. Mistress Weatherwax leaned across to Tiffany. "'I hope you're still feeling alone,' she whispered. "'Yes, thank you. I mean, I can sort of feel them there, but they're not getting in the way. Uh, sooner or later she's going to realise, I mean, isn't she?' "'Very funny thing, the human mind,' whispered the old woman. "'I once had to see to a poor young man who had a tree fall on his legs, lost both legs and a knee down, had to have wooden legs made. Still, they were made out of that tree, which I suppose was some comfort, and he gets about pretty well. But I remember him saying, "'Mistress Weatherwax, I can still feel my toes sometimes. It's like the head don't accept what's happened. And it's not like she's your everyday kind of person to start with. I mean, she's used to having arms she can't see.' "'Here we are,' said Miss Level, bustling over with three cups and saucers and the sugar bowl. "'One for you, one for you, and one for—oh!' The sugar bowl dropped from an invisible hand and spilled its sugar onto the table. Miss Level stared at it in horror, while, in the other hand that wasn't there, a cup and saucer wobbled without visible means of support. "'Shut your eyes, Miss Level!' And there was something in the voice, some edge or strange tone, that made Tiffany shut her eyes too. "'Right!' "'Now you know the cup's there. You can feel your arm,' said Mistress Weatherwax, standing up. "'Trust it. Your eyes are not in possession of all the facts. Now put the cup down gently. That's right. You can open your eyes now, but what I want you to do, right, as a favour to me, is put the hands that you can see flat down on the table. Right? Good. Now, without taking those hands away, just go over to the dresser,' "'And fetch me that blue biscuit tin, will you? "'I'm always partial to a biscuit with my tea. "'Thank you very much. "'But I can't do that now.' "'Get past I can't, Miss Level,' Mistress Weatherwax snapped. "'Don't think about it. Just do it. "'My tea's getting cold.' "'So this is witchcraft too,' Tiffany thought. "'It's like Granny Aching talking to animals. "'It's in the voice. "'Sharp and soft by turns.' and you use little words of command and encouragement, and you keep talking, making the words fill the creature's world so that the sheepdogs obey you and the nervous sheep are calmed. The biscuit tin floated away from the dresser. As it neared the old woman, the lid unscrewed and hovered in the air beside it. She reached in delicately. "'Oh, store-bought tea-time assortment,' she said, taking four biscuits and quickly putting three of them in her pocket. "'Very posh.' "'It's... "'Terribly difficult to do this,' Miss Level moaned. "'It's like trying not to think of a pink rhinoceros.' "'Well,' said Mistress Weatherwax, "'what's so special about not thinking of a pink rhinoceros?' "'It's impossible not to think of one if someone tells you you mustn't,' Tiffany explained. "'No, it ain't,' said Mistress Weatherwax firmly. "'I ain't thinking of one right now, and I gives you my word on that. "'You want to take control of that brain of yours, Miss Level. "'So you've lost a spare body. "'What's another body when all said and done? "'Just a lot of upkeep?' Another mouth to feed, wear and tear on the furniture. In a word, fuss. Get your mind right, Miss Level, and the world is your... The old witch leaned down to Tiffany and whispered, What's that thing? Lives in the sea, very small, folks eat it. Shrimp? Tiffany suggested, a bit puzzled. Shrimp? All right. The world is your shrimp, Miss Level. Not only will there be a great saving on clothes and food, which is not to be sneezed at in these difficult times... "'But when people see you moving things through the air, "'well, they'll say, "'There's a witch and a half and no mistake, and they will be right.' 
You just hold on to that skill, Miss Level. You maintain. Think on what I've said. And now, you stay and rest. We'll see to what needs doing today. You just make a little list for me, and Tiffany'll know the way. Well, indeed, I do feel somewhat shaken, said Miss Level, absent-mindedly brushing her hair out of her eyes with an invisible hand. Let me see, you could just drop in on Mr. Umbril, and Mistress Turvey, and the young Rattleboy, and check on Mrs. Towney's bruise, and take some number five ointment to Mr. Drover, and pay a call on old Mrs. Hunter's saucy corner, and, um, now, who have I forgotten? Tiffany realised that she was holding her breath. It had been a horrible day and a dreadful night, but what was looming and lining up for its place on Miss Level's tongue was somehow going to be worse than either. Ah, yes, have a word with Miss Quickly at Uracliffe, and then probably you'll need to talk to Mrs Quickly too, and there are a few packages to be dropped off on the way, there in my basket, all marked up, and I think that's it. Oh, no, silly me, I almost forgot. And... "'You need to drop in on Mr. Weevall, too.' "'Tiffany breathed out. "'She didn't really want to. "'She'd rather not breathe ever again "'than face Mr. Weevall and open an empty box. "'Are you sure you're totally yourself, Tiffany?' said Miss Level, "'and Tiffany leapt at this life-saving excuse not to go. "'Well, I do feel a bit,' she began, "'but Mistress Weatherwax interrupted with, "'She's fine, Miss Level, apart from the echoes. "'The hiver has gone away from this house, I can assure you.' "'Really?' said Miss Level. "'I don't mean to be rude, but how can you be so certain?' Mistress Weatherwax pointed down. Grain by grain, the spilled sugar was rolling across the tabletop and leaping into the sugar bowl. Miss Level clasped her hands together. "'Oh, Oswald!' she said, her face one huge smile. "'You've come back!' Miss Level, and possibly Oswald, watched them go from the gate. "'She'll be fine with your little men keeping her company.' said Mistress Weatherwax as she and Tiffany turned away and took the lane through the woods. It could be the making of her, you know, being half dead. Tiffany was shocked. How could you be so cruel? She'll get some respect when people see her moving stuff through the air. Respect is meat and drink to a witch. Without respect you ain't got a thing. She doesn't get much respect, our Miss Level. That was true. People didn't respect Miss Level. They liked her in an unthinking sort of way, and that was it. Mistress Weatherwax was right, and Tiffany wished that she wasn't. "'Why did you and Miss Tick send me to her, then?' she said. "'Because she likes people,' said the witch, striding ahead. "'She cares about them. "'Even the stupid, mean, dribbling ones, "'the mothers with the runny babies and no sense, "'the feckless and the silly and the fools who treat her like some kind of a servant. "'Now, that's what I call magic, seeing all that, dealing with all that, and still going on. "'It's sitting up all night with some poor man who's leaving the world,' taking away such pain as you can, comforting their terror, seeing them safely on their way, and then cleaning them up, laying them out, making them neat for the funeral, and helping the weeping widow strip the bed and wash the sheets, which is, let me tell you, no errand for the faint-hearted, and staying up the next night to watch over the coffin before the funeral, and then going home and sitting down for five minutes before some shouting, angry man comes banging on your door because his wife's having difficulty giving birth to their first child, and the midwife's at her wit's end, and then getting up and fetching your bag and going out again. We all do that in her own way, and she does it better than me if I was to put my hand on my heart. That is the root and heart and soul and centre of witchcraft, that is, the soul and centre. Mistress Weatherwax smacked her fist into her hand, hammering out her words. The soul and centre. 
Echoes came back from the trees in the sudden silence. Even the grasshoppers by the side of the track had stopped sizzling. "'And Mrs. Earwig,' said Mistress Weatherwax, her voice sinking to a growl, "'Mrs. Earwig tells her girls it's about cosmic balances and stars and circles and colours and wands and—and toys, nothing but toys.' She sniffed. "'Oh, I dare say they're all very well as decoration. Something nice to look at while you're working.' something for show, but the start and finish, the start and finish, is helping people when life is on the edge. Even people you don't like. Stars is easy, people is hard. She stopped talking. It was several seconds before birds began to sing again. Anyway, that's what I think, she added, in the tones of someone who suspects that they might have gone just a bit further than they meant to. She turned around when Tiffany said nothing, and saw that she had stopped and was standing in the lane looking like a drowned hen. "'Are you all right, girl?' she said. "'It was me,' wailed Tiffany. "'The hiver was me. It wasn't thinking with my brain, it was using my thoughts. It was using what it found in my head, all those insults, all that,' she gulped, "'that nastiness. All it was was me, with without the bit of you that was locked away.' said Mistress Weatherwax sharply. Remember that! Yes, but supposing, Tiffany began, struggling to get all the woe out, the locked-up bit was the important bit, said Mistress Weatherwax. Learning how not to do things is as hard as learning how to do them. Harder, maybe. There'd be a sight more frogs in this world if I didn't know how not to turn people into them. And big pink balloons, too. Oh, don't, said Tiffany, shuddering. "'That's why we do all the tramping around and doctrine and stuff,' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'Well, and because it makes people a bit better, of course. "'But doing it moves you into your centre, so's you don't wobble. "'It anchors you, keeps you human, stops you cackling. "'Just like your granny with her sheep, "'which are, to my mind, as stupid and wayward and ungrateful as humans. "'You think you've had a sight of yourself and found out you're bad? "'Ha! I've seen bad and you don't get near it.' "'Now are you going to stop grizzling?' "'What?' snapped Tiffany. Mistress Weatherwax laughed to Tiffany's sudden fury. "'Yes, you're a witch to your boots,' she said. "'You're sad, and behind that you're watching yourself being sad and thinking, "'Oh, poor me, and behind that you're angry with me for not going there, there, poor dear. "'Let me talk to those third thoughts, then, "'because I want to hear from the girl who went to fight the Fairy Queen "'armed with nothing but a frying pan, "'not some child feeling sorry for herself and wallowing in misery.' "'What? I am not wallowing in misery!' Tiffany shouted, striding up to her until they were inches apart. "'And what was all that about being nice to people, eh?' Overhead leaves fell off the trees. "'That doesn't count when it's another witch, especially one like you!' Mistress Weatherwax snapped, prodding her in the chest with a finger as hard as wood. "'Oh? Oh? And what's that supposed to mean?' A deer galloped off through the woods. The wind got up. "'One who's not paying attention, child!' "'Why?' "'What have I missed that you've seen, old woman?' "'Old woman I may be, but I'm telling you the hiver is still around. "'You only threw it out!' Mistress Weatherwax shouted. "'Birds rose from the trees in panic. "'I know!' screamed Tiffany. "'Oh, yes? Really? And how do you know that?' "'Because there's a bit of me still in it. "'A bit of me I'd rather not know about, thank you. "'I can feel it out there. "'Anyway, how do you know?' "'Because I'm a bloody good witch, that's why.' "'snarled Mistress Weatherwax as rabbits burrowed deeper to get out of the way. "'And what do you want me to do about the creature while you sit there snivelling, eh?' "'How dare you! 
How dare you? It's my responsibility. I'll deal with it, thank you so very much. You? A hiver? It'll take more than a frying pan. They can't be killed. I'll find a way. A witch deals with things. Ha! I'd like to see you try. I will, shouted Tiffany. It started to rain. Oh, so you know how to attack it, do you? Don't be silly, I can't. It can always keep out of my way. It can even sink into the ground. But it'll come looking for me, understand? Me, not anyone else. I know it, and this time I'll be ready. Will you indeed? said Mistress Weatherwax, folding her arms. Yes. When? Now. No. The old witch held up a hand. Peace be on this place, she said quietly. The wind dropped. The rain stopped. No, not yet, she went on, as peace once again descended. It's not attacking yet. Don't you think that's odd? It'd be licking its wounds if it had a tongue. And you're not ready yet, whatever you thinks. No, we've got something else to do, haven't we? Tiffany was speechless. The tide of outrage inside her was so hot that it burned her ears. But Mistress Weatherwax was smiling. The two facts did not work well together. Her first thoughts were, I've just had a blazing row with Mistress Weatherwax. They say that if you cut her with a knife, she wouldn't bleed until she wanted to. They say that when some vampires bit her, they all started to crave tea and sweet biscuits. She can do anything, be anywhere. And I called her an old woman. Her second thoughts were, Well, she is. Her third thoughts were, Yes, she is Mistress Weatherwax, and she's keeping you angry. If you're full of anger, there's no room left for fear. You hold that anger, Mistress Weatherwax said, as if reading all of her mind. Cup it in your heart. Remember where it came from, remember the shape of it. Save it until you need it. But now... The wolf is out there somewhere in the woods, and you need to see to the flock. It's the voice, Tiffany thought. She really does talk to people like Granny Aching talked to sheep, except she hardly cusses at all. But I feel better. Thank you, she said. And that includes Mr. Weevil. Yes, said Tiffany. I know. Chapter 10 The Late Bloomer it was an interesting day. Everyone in the mountains had heard of Mistress Weatherwax. If you didn't have respect, she said, you didn't have anything. Today she had it all. Some of it had even rubbed off on Tiffany. They were treated like royalty. Not the sort who get dragged off to be beheaded or have something nasty done with a red-hot poker, but the other sort, when people walk away dazed, saying, she actually said hello to me very graciously, I will never wash my hand again. Not that many people they dealt with washed their hands at all, Tiffany thought with the primness of a dairy worker, but people crowded around outside the cottage doors, watching and listening, and they sidled up to Tiffany to say things like, Would she like a cup of tea? I've cleaned our cup. And in the garden of every cottage they passed, Tiffany noticed, the beehives were suddenly bustling with activity. She worked away, trying to stay calm, trying to think about what she was doing. You did the doctoring work as neatly as you could, and if it was on something oozy, then you just thought about how nice things would be when you'd stopped doing it. She felt Mistress Weatherwax wouldn't approve of this attitude, but Tiffany didn't much like hers either. She lied all the... She didn't tell the truth all the time. For example, there was the Raddles Privy. Miss Level had explained carefully to Mr and Mrs Raddle several times that it was far too close to the well, 
and so the drinking water was full of tiny, tiny creatures that were making their children sick. They'd listened very carefully every time they heard the lecture, and they still never moved the privy. But Mistress Weatherwax told them it was caused by goblins who were attracted to the smell, and by the time they left that cottage, Mr Rattle and three of his friends were already digging a new well the other end of the garden. "'It really is caused by tiny creatures, you know,' said Tiffany, who'd once handed over an egg to a travelling teacher so that she could line up and look through his astounding microscopical device, a zoo in every drop of ditch water. She'd almost collapsed the next day from not drinking. Some of those creatures were hairy. "'Is that so?' said Mistress Weatherwax sarcastically. "'Yes, it is, and Miss Level believes in telling them the truth.' "'Good. She's a fine, honest woman.' said Mistress Weatherwax. But what I say is, you have to tell people a story they can understand. Right now, I reckon you'd have to change quite a lot of the world and maybe bang Mr Rattle's stupid fat head against the wall a few times before he'd believe that you can be sickened by drinking tiny invisible beasts. And while you're doing that, those kids of theirs will get sicker. But goblins now, they make sense today. A story gets things done. And when I see Miss Tick tomorrow... "'I'll tell her it's about time them wandering teachers started coming up here.' "'All right,' said Tiffany reluctantly. "'But you told Mr Umbrell the shoemaker "'that his chest pains will clear up "'if he walks to the waterfall at Tumble Crag every day for a month "'and throws three shiny pebbles into the pool for the water sprites. "'That's not doctoring. "'No, but he thinks it is. "'The man spends too much time sitting hunched up.' "'A five-mile walk in the fresh air every day for a month "'will seem as right as rain,' said Mistress Weatherwax. "'Oh,' said Tiffany, "'another story.' "'If you like,' said Mistress Weatherwax, her eyes twinkling, "'and you never know, maybe the water sprites will be grateful for the pebbles.' "'She glanced sidelong at Tiffany's expression and patted her on the shoulder. "'Never mind, miss,' she said. "'Look at it this way. "'Tomorrow your job is to change the world into a better place. "'Today,' My job is to see that everyone gets there. Well, I think... Tiffany began, then stopped. She looked up at the line of woods between the small fields of the valleys and the steep meadows of the mountains. It's still there, she said. I know, said Mistress Weatherwax. It's moving around, but it's keeping away from us. I know, said Mistress Weatherwax. What does it think it's doing? It's got a bit of you in it. What do you think it's doing? Tiffany tried to think. Why wouldn't it attack? Oh, she'd be better prepared this time, but it was strong. Maybe it's waiting until I'm upset again, she said. But I keep having a thought. It makes no sense. I keep thinking about three wishes. Wishes for what? I don't know. It sounds silly. Mistress Weatherwax stopped. No, it's not, she said. It's a deep part of you trying to send yourself a message. Just remember it, because now... Tiffany sighed. Yes, I know, Mr. Weevil. No dragon's cave was ever approached as carefully as the cottage in the overgrown garden. Tiffany paused at the gate and looked back, but Mistress Weatherwax had diplomatically vanished. Probably she's found someone to give her a cup of tea and a sweet biscuit, she thought. She lives on them. She opened the gate and walked up the path. You couldn't say, it's not my fault. You couldn't say, it's not my responsibility. You could say, I will deal with this. You didn't have to want to, but you had to do it. Tiffany took a deep breath and stepped into the dark cottage. Mr Weevil, in his chair, was just inside the door and fast asleep. 
showing the world an open mouthful of yellow teeth. Um, hello, Mr. Weevil, Tiffany quavered, but perhaps not quite loudly enough. Just, er, uh, here to see that you, that everything is all right. There was a snort, nonetheless, and he woke, smacking his lips to get the sleep out of his mouth. Oh, tis you, he said. Good afternoon to you. He eased himself more upright and started to stare out of the doorway, ignoring her. Maybe he won't ask, she thought, as she washed up and dusted and plumped the cushions and, not to put too fine a point on it, emptied the commode. But she nearly yelped when the arm shot out and grabbed her wrist and the old man gave her his pleading look. Just check the box, Mary, will you, before you go. Only I heard clinking noises last night, see. Could be one of the sneaky thieves got in. Yes, Mr. Weevil, said Tiffany, while she thought, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. She pulled out the box. There was no choice. It felt heavy. She stood up and lifted the lid. After the creak of the hinges, there was silence. Are you all right, girl? said Mr. Weevil. Um, said Tiffany. It's all, all there, ain't it? said the old man anxiously. Tiffany's mind was a puddle of goo. Um, it's all here, she managed. Um, and now it's all gold, Mr. Weevil. Gold? Ha! Don't you pull my leg, girl. No gold ever came my way. Tiffany put the box on the old man's lap as gently as she could, and he stared into it. Tiffany recognised the worn coins. The Pictses ate off them in the mound. There had been pictures on them, but they were too worn to make out now. But gold was gold, pictures or not. She turned her head sharply and was certain she saw something small and red-headed vanish into the shadows. "'Well, now,' said Mr. Weevil, "'well, now,' and that seemed to exhaust his conversation for a while. Then he said, "'Far too much money here to pay for a burying. I don't recall saving all this.' "'I reckon you could bury a king for this amount of money.' Tiffany swallowed. She couldn't leave things like this. She just couldn't. "'Mr. Weevil, I've got something I must tell you,' she said. And she told him. She told him all of it, not just the good bits. He sat and listened carefully. "'Well, now, isn't that interesting?' he said when she'd finished. "'Um, I'm sorry,' said Tiffany. She couldn't think of anything else to say.' "'So what you're saying, right, is... "'Cause that creature made you take my burying money, right, "'you think these fairy friends of yourn filled my old box with gold "'so's you wouldn't get into trouble, right?' "'I think so,' said Tiffany. "'Well, it looks like I should thank you, then,' said Mr. Weevil. "'What?' "'Well, it seems to I, if you hadn't a took the silver and copper,' "'There wouldn't have been any room for all this gold, right?' said Mr. Weevil. "'And I shouldn't reckon that old dead king up on yon hills needs it now.' Y "'Yes, but—' Mr. Weevil fumbled in the box and held up a gold coin that would have bought his cottage. "'A little something for you, then, girl,' he said. "'Buy yourself some ribbons or something.' "'No, I can't. That wouldn't be fair,' Tiffany protested desperately. "'This was completely going wrong.' "'Wouldn't it now?' said Mr. Weevil, and his bright eyes gave her a long, shrewd look. "'Well, then, let's call it payment for this little errand you're going to run for I, eh? You're going to run up these stairs, which I can't quite manage any more, and bring down the black suit that's hanging behind the door, and there's a clean shirt in the chest at the end of the bed. 
and you'll polish my boots and help I up, but I'm thinking I could probably make it down the lane on my own. Cos, you see, this is far too much money to buy a man's funeral, but I reckon it'll do fine to marry him off. So I am proposing to propose to the widow Tussie that she engages in matrimony with I. The last sentence took a little working out, and then Tiffany said, You are? End of CD 6